Hi everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Serial Access. This case was brought to my attention by a fellow listener of the podcast, but before we jump into that, I would like to ask you guys a question. So I was thinking of names that I could call you guys, and I came across the name Serial Squad, and I was waiting to know if you guys wouldn't mind being called Serial Squad, or if there is another name that you would prefer. There is a poll on the Serial access.com website that you can go and participate in letting me know if that is okay with you guys. If you have any suggestions for names, please feel free to go to serialaccess.com and the contact us section and that will let me know if there's any other names that you would like to be called. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right on into this case. The case that we're going to be going over this week is about Albert Fish. Albert was born May 19th of 1870 in Washington, D.C. to Randall and Ellen Fish. Albert's family had a long history of mental illness. His uncle was diagnosed with mania. He had a brother that was sent to a state mental institution, and his sister was diagnosed with a mental affliction. His mother, Ellen Fish, had visual hallucinations, and three of his other relatives were also diagnosed with mental illness. His parents abandoned him at a young age, and he was sent to an orphanage. The orphanage was in Albert's memory a place of brutality, where he was exposed to regular beatings and some sadistic acts of brutality. It was said that he began to look forward to the abuse because it brought him pleasure. When asked about the orphanage, Albert said, I was there till I was nearly nine, but that's where I got started wrong. We were unmercifully whipped. I saw boys doing many things they should not have done. By 1880, Ellen Fish, now a widow, had a government job and was able to remove Albert at the age of 12 from the orphanage. He had very little formal education and grew up learning to work more than he needed to, so that way his brain was very underdeveloped. It was not long after Albert returned home to live with his mother that he began a relationship with another boy who introduced him to drinking urine and eating feces. According to Albert, in 1890, he relocated to New York City and began his crimes against children. He made money working as a prostitute and began to molest boys. He would lure children away from their homes, torture them in various ways, including his favorite, the use of a paddle laced with sharp nails. Then he would rape them. As time went on, the sexual fantasies he would act out on the children grew more fiendish and bizarre and often ended in murdering and cannibalizing his young victims. In 1898, he married and later fathered six children. The children led average lives up until 1917 after Albert's wife ran off with another man. It was at that time that the children recall Albert occasionally asking them to participate in his sexual satisfactory games. 
One game included a nail-filled paddle Albert used on his victims. He would ask the children to paddle him with the weapon until blood ran down his legs. He also found enjoyment from pushing needles deep into his skin. After his marriage ended, Albert spent time writing to women listed in the personals columns of the newspaper. In his letters, he would go into graphic detail of sexual acts that he would like to share with them. That's extremely sick. The descriptions of the acts were so vile and disgusting that they were never made public, even though they were submitted as evidence in court. According to Albert, no women ever responded to his letters asking them not for their hand in marriage, but for their hand in administrating pain. Albert developed his skill for house painting and often worked in different states across the country. Some believed he selected states largely populated with African Americans. It was his belief that police would spend less time searching for the killer of African American children than a prominent Caucasian child. Thus, several of his victims were black children selected to endure his torture using his own labeled instruments of hell, which included a paddle, meat cleaver, and also a knife. In 1928, Albert answered to an ad of an 18-year-old, Edward Budd, who had been looking for a part-time job to help with his family's financial issues. Albert, who introduced himself as Mr. Frank Howard, met with Edward and his family to discuss Edward's future position. Albert told the family that he was a Long Island farmer looking to pay the strong young worker $15 a week. The job seemed ideal and the Bud family, excited about Edward's luck in finding the job, instantly trusted the gentleman and said it was okay. Albert told the Bud family that he would return the following week to take Edward and a friend of Edward's out to his farm to begin working. The following week, Albert failed to show up on the day promised but did send a telegram apologizing and setting a new date to meet with the boys. When Albert arrived on June 4th, as promised, he came bearing gifts for all the Bud children and visited with the family over lunch. To the Buds, Mr. Howard seemed like a typical loving grandfather, but after lunch, Albert explained to the family that he had to attend a children's birthday party at his sister's home and would return later to pick up Eddie and his friend to take them to the farm. He then suggested that the Bud family allow him to bring their oldest daughter, 10-year-old Grace, along to the party. The non-suspecting parents agreed and dressed her in her Sunday best. Grace, excited about going to a party, left her house for the very last time. Grace Bud was never seen alive again. The investigation into the disappearance of Grace Bud went on for six years before detectives received any substantial break in the case. But on November 11th of 1934, Mrs. Bud received an anonymous letter which gave gruesome details of the murder and cannibalism of her precious daughter Grace. The letter tortured Mrs. Budd with detail about the empty house her daughter was taken to in Worcester, New York. How she was then stripped of her clothing, strangled, cut into pieces, and eaten. As if to add some solace to Mrs. Budd, the writer was empathetic 
about the fact that Grace had not been sexually assaulted at any time. By tracing the paper that the letter was written on that Mrs. Budd received, the police were eventually led to a flop house where Albert Fish was living. Albert was arrested and immediately began confessing to the murder of Grace Budd and several hundred other children. Albert smiling as he described the grisly detail of the tortures and murders appeared to the detectives as the devil himself. On March 11th of 1935, Albert's trial began and he pled innocent by the reason of insanity. He said there were voices in his head telling him to kill children that made him do such horrific crimes. Despite the numerous psychiatrists who described Albert as insane, the jury found him sane and guilty after a short 10-day trial. He was sentenced to die by electrocution. On January 16th of 1936, Albert Fish was electrocuted at Sing Sing Prison, reportedly a process Albert looked upon as the ultimate sexual thrill, but that was later dismissed as just a rumor. Let me know your guys' thoughts and opinions on this case, and also feel free to go to SerialAccess.com and suggest a serial killer that you would like to hear about. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at SerialAccess for sneak peeks on up coming cases and don't forget to share it with a friend or family member but until next time keep your eyes open and look for the monster inside of everyone